Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day, the Shelter Footy Cast. No, that's not right. Shelter Sport Cast. Maybe not even that. It's the Shelter Fucking Soccer Cast. And I said that word. Yes, I did. I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit going. It's the morning. It's the afternoon. I don't even know what time it is. I've been up late. I've been watching the Socceroos. I think I'm a soccer fan. We're bloody into the stage of 16 in the World Cup. How good's that? I am joined by Chris Coyne, our, our football expert. And I say football, I say that pretty harshly over here because it's usually the oval ball game, but we're round ball game at the moment, Coyne. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Bit tired. Need those double espressos <laughs> to kick, you know. It's, it's like being hung over without actually going through the process of getting there every morning. But um, Correct. Mate, I've got to say, couldn't get a lot of sleep last night. I was buzzing for the boys, and it was a great result just for this, the sport in general. It's unreal. You can hear the Southern River Band boys playing in the background there. They're playing their national tour here in Bustleton Shelter. That's right. That is the Shelter Sportcast. They'll be down at Busso tomorrow, Friday night. Uh, you can still get your tickets, I think, if you are listening. So come down. Dan and I'll be down there. I think Coiny's coming down. He's uh, very excited about the naked DJ. He's going to be down there. DJ Jenga. That's right. Uh, Genga, I should say. Um, that, that's all I've heard. That's, I won't say any more there. You can listen to us as a podcast. Watch us on YouTube. Uh, Shelter, Born and Brood in Bustleton. I want to get into it. I want to get into the big game. Um, we're going to review the uh, Socceroos. Uh, huge moment for, for the sport. Not only the team, but for the sport. And we're going to have a little bit of a look at the AFL draft and a bit of a look at the Perth glory as well, Coiny. So let's get into it. Uh, First starters coming into this tournament, there wasn't many people that gave Australia a chance. Me being one of them. Me being one of them, mate, yeah. I've I've seen, I've sat here and and I haven't sat, sat in the hosting chair with you, but... I've been loving your insights, but you don't, you didn't give it much of a chance. And no, no, you're not alone, are you? No, not at all. I think the whole football fraternity was the same, and it just shows you sometimes how a piece of paper's full of shit. <laughs> so you're looking at all the squads, you're trying to do it analytically, and sometimes just having a, a bit of ticker and having a bit of culture and spirit about the group can actually carry you a long way. So I think credit's got to go to Graham Arnold and his, and his um, support staff for the way that they've galvanised that group. And... At the end of the day, Aussies, we love an underdog tag, don't we? And yep. they've carried that and they've, they've made them, um, the group resolute. And, mate, I've got to eat my words because I didn't even think they'd score a goal. And they've been 
leading every single game they've played in, so I know jack shit, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, that's not true. Now, I wasn't here last week, but we've had a bit of feedback here on the Shelter Sportcast that you may be some sort of um, is it voyeur or like oracle, um, some sort of fortune Bullshit teller. artist, yeah, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Apparently you absolutely lit it up with your tips Mate, last week. I was week. buzzing with myself. I was absolute flames. And if I, if I was the one putting a pun on, I'd absolutely get nowhere <laughs> near did. it. Last week, absolutely on flames. How bloody good. So, yeah, we've, we've got your feedback. Uh, let us know. Footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au if you do want to send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback on just how good Coiny is. We spoke to Skeet on Monday. He didn't listen to your tips, lost a lot of money on the punt, and that's why he's not here today. He's uh, sorting his life out. Um, <laughs> Socceroos, uh, it was kickoff 11 p.m. Uh, Western Australia time, so it was pretty good timing for us. It was late, but it wasn't a 2 a.m. start. Uh, where did you watch it? Did you did you watch it? Yeah, 100%. I watched yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I Binged a bit on Netflix. I got the Netflix on beforehand just to keep myself up. And then um, little fella went up to bed for a bit and dad, make sure you wake me up. So we just sat on the couch and Mrs. is a proper AFL head. She grew up with an AFL family. So even she sat on the couch and got into it last night. So no, it was good. I have my wife good. next to me as well. She was, she was enjoying it. Yeah, no, it was a, mate, it was a good game. It, I mean, listen, in terms of, you know, the, the technical aspect wasn't great, but in terms of us being Australian again and just rolling our sleeves up and having a crack, it was it was superb because we've we've gone away from that. We've tried to be a, a Spanish or a Dutch team, and we're not that. We're a bunch of migrants that have all come together over different, you know, from different journeys, and we should bring those strengths and those traits into the game. Whether it's English, Irish, Scottish, you know, um, Croatian, Serbian, Italian, whatever it is, we're a mix of all those those races, and we've all been brought up with that sort of fighting culture because we were a migrant population, you know, generally. Yeah. Um, and we're now seeing that in the performances the boys are putting in, and it's actually refreshing to see because we're never going to outplay Spain or Brazil or whatever, but what we can do is outfight them. And if they don't come to the party and want to have a ruck with us, then like we did last night, I thought we um, we saw the benefit of it. So coming into a game like that where you are, um, you know, Denmark has to win to, to move forward effectively and, and we had to, look, a draw might may have got to us, but, you know, in the end with the Tunisia-France yeah. result, uh, we would have missed out. We have to win. What sort of tactics... Um, could you see, or do you think that they employed? Was it was it defensive yeah, and counter attack? Yeah, listen, I think Denmark are a good side. So I think the first twenty minutes, you, we looked a bit nervy. Yeah, our mate Aaron Moy wasn't having a great day at the office. Bless him, but um, concrete boots on. He did have so divers boots on yesterday, but um, you could see that they were trying to get the ball forward and they could try and counter attack um, Denmark. So from that deep block, get the ball forward as quickly as possible. They knew Denmark were going to commit numbers forward. They had to win. Um, and we almost got three or four opportunities just in the first half there. And then once we went went 1-0 up, you could Graham Arnold changed it completely. He just went into a 5-4 block, which means you obviously drop an extra defender in, right. only have the one up top, and it's like, well, come and get us. And after Bailey Wright did come on, and I thought Kieran Backus as well, we were just saying that before, I thought he was immense when he yeah. came on. Um, so tactically, again, I think they got it got it spot on. Harry Sutar was look. I'm a I'm a backman, so I've got to I've got to reside in that area of the ground. He, he looks like so. If for those who don't know or didn't watch or don't know anything about the game, he's a centre back. He's he, he looks like from an AFL perspective. Uh, played with Jeremy McGovern at West Coast. He just puts himself in the right positions a lot of the time. Now he's not he's not a superstar, right? Like he's, he's not, I reckon he's got the the chance to be correct, but hundred percent. It just looked like he's a really smart player. Yeah, and and to be fair, for the size of him, I think he's two hundred odd centimeters. So the way that he moves as well, he's a bit of a 
diesel engine in terms of getting going. Yeah. It takes him a bit to get going, but he can actually shift. But I think you're spot on. You know, he, he covered after rolls really well last night. You know, young young defensive partnership. But um, the way that Suda just filled those areas, just blocked those areas, and just, like you said, like a McGovern-type role, he was just right spot all the time. So I thought he was a man. He'll get a Premier League move off the back of this World Will Cup. Is that 100%. Like, I've heard people talking about that. 100%. That, does that will. happen off the back of the Yeah, tournament? it certainly does. Um, you'd be surprised because they've seen you. If they see him at championship level or whatever every, every week, they're just gauging, oh, well, you, you're only playing against that, so that's okay. Right. All of a sudden, he's got the opportunity to go up against the Messi or whoever now. Um, they'll see that and go, well, shit, you can do that every week. So I reckon you'll definitely get a move off the back of it. Big boy, reads the game well, good age. Um, I think he's got a, a big career in front of him. Yeah, talking about other big moments, of course, we win 1-0, so Leckie's goal. Um, it's his third World Cup. He's He's been in and around. He's the most capped Aussie. equal appearances with Kale, yeah. And so he'll go ahead of them if he you know, gets up for this week. He looked pretty gassed at the end of the game. <laughs> Wasn't he just? But how, can you talk through from a, from a soccer, from a football perspective, how good that goal was? The best thing for me was the, the composure he showed because it's so easy to get in those positions and you think, shit, if I don't take my chance here, and they generally just blaze away. Mm. The fact that he showed that compo- composure to just take his defender a couple of ways and then pull the trigger was, I think that shows why he was in the Bundesliga for, for 10, 11 years. You know, he's, he, he's a top-level player and, you know, 80th minute, I think he was cooked. Um, but yeah. he, he put a massive shift in. He was, he was, if not man of the match, I think he'd be very close for me, just out from his pure output and I thought he was he was very good for the team last night so that a few of those I spoke about it on Monday I must have fallen asleep at the wheel a little bit but there's five substitutes in soccer now is that yeah <laughs> what's going on I know there's electricity as well eh? <laughs> <laughs> nah so what they've done they found they found with um, the high level well you, I mean listen AFL let's, yeah. let's go back 10 years the games are shitload quicker now players are more athletic they're quicker so what they were finding with under fatigue players were obviously getting more injuries so you know at the end of the day with no no players there's no game so they looked at how they could prevent these injuries so with those five subs yes they can get tactical and all the rest of it that's part of the game mm. um, but it's also about the player welfare and making sure that players aren't you know you're not missing your best players through through injury and there's 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 specific periods right you can't just bring all five yeah there's there's interventions so there's three interventions so if you you look let's say half time doesn't count so they try. They done that so that you couldn't use them. So you make five subs and then you do it at the end of the game just to time waste. Right. So they've said there's three interventions, but if you use one in the first half, half time doesn't count. It leaves you two. So it means you might do one, one, and then two at the end or however you choose to do it. Yeah, right. So um, incredible moment for, for the team that was underrated, that everyone wrote off. Um, how would the coach, Arnold, how, how would he be feeling? Like he seemed vindicated a little bit. A little bit, yeah, you could see it. You could hear it in his tone of voice afterwards, mm-hmm. couldn't you? And he's been copping it hard. Um, and I think he might have made comment overnight where he was sort of talking about the old um, people, you know, keyboard warrior type scenarios where you've never been in that position and you're commenting on it. But then you've also got previous pros. It's so easy to sit in your ass here and pass comment on what people are doing. And Welcome to the Shelter Sportcast. <laughs> <laughs> but until you're in that furnace, like, you know, the – they don't understand what goes goes on in those situations and it's so easy for people and, and it doesn't matter what sport you're in. People are going to, they've got an opinion, they pay their money to come and watch, they're entitled to it. It never really affected me but then it does affect people, you know, and they've got to remember at the end of the day they're just a bunch of human beings going about what is actually their job um, on a day-to-day basis and they get all sorts of stick and there was 
pundits doing it. There was people coming out that have got no idea about football, just Kane and the boys after that French performance. But France could do that to anyone. They could cop Germany or whoever it is in the next round and thump four past them. So I think the vindication of, yeah, he knew that they were up against it, but the fact that they've come back against the odds and, and done it in a professional way, no one sniping, no one went on social media, no one went public with it. I think that was the vindication that he held his group together and they came out fighting for each other. I saw something on social media around that. Around does he have does it does he have team rules around social media and uh, recovery? You know, like obviously they're going to be recovering. And, yeah, but does he? It sounds like he's got some like. Things I think he would do. Got. I think in that environment. I mean. I was fortunate because I'm an old fart. I didn't grow up. I had the old Nokia, whatever it was, where you could play snakes <laughs> on it, and that was about it. So you didn't have to worry about it. But the first thing you do, you walk in the dressing room. Now the boys straight on their phones. Yep. And it's not just the boys you've got to worry about. It's it's the other millions and, and millions out there. So even at Glory, we've got team rules. You know, you represent yourself, but you represent your club. And unfortunately, once something goes up there, it can't be unseen. Mm. So it's up, up in the cloud forever. So... He'd have rules in place about what they can and can't say. And we've seen Dagonet coming out with some of those positive quotes that he's been about how fortunate we are and it's, you know, about how fortunate um, athletes are. You know, it's not like it's life and death where you're putting food in people's mouths or putting a roof over someone's head. So I think they'd have rules, but not too many constraints. They can still speak, but I think there'd have to be a positive spin on it. Yes. And then what about for the, um, the sport? Like, like you think back to 2006, uh, they they advanced to the group stage there, out of the group stage and in the final sixteen there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, being argumentative, like this side's done more, right? They've won two games in a row. They've scored goals. They've done all the rest of it. What's it, what's it mean for the sport? Because two thousand six, like I was a seventeen year old then. It was like a generational thing, right? Like I, I want to be a soccerer. I want to be a soccer player. Yeah, which has been lost a little bit, probably in the last fifteen years. Yeah, I think so. And I think what happened around that period as well, to give it some context, was that was when the Premier League really started to boom. So all of a sudden, you've got Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka, and then TV rights came in. So Sky Sports or Fox Sports or whatever started broadcasting more games. Huh. So all the hype around these players, they weren't just someone that was seen on SBS or two minutes on the back end of the news. All of a sudden, they had a profile, and Tim Cahill was on the back of your. Wheat Bix box or whatever it might be. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the profile of these guys, because they were Premier League players and the Premier League blew up, they then started becoming household names where five years before that, no one knew any soccer player unless you were a footy head. Yes. So I think that changed it. Sort of touching on your point there, that sort of generation that came through, they, they were you know the golden generation. They were, they were top notch. Mm. Um, but what it does for the game now is... Like you just said, these kids are going to go outside now and they're going to be Matthew Lecky in the back garden. Yes. So all of a sudden you get people falling back in love with the game. Um, so for me, it's a massive, not that we've got to leverage off it, but it's so important to the game because we are a third or fourth tier sport. Whether football fans like it or not, we are. You know, you've got AFL on the West Coast and, and South Australia, then you go into your rugby, then you drop cricket in there. So at the end of the day, when you're looking at the sort of general public and what they support you know we are a fourth tier sport so when you can galvanize a nation and you can bring a nation together through through the world cup which is the biggest competition in the world it it's got to be done right by the governing bodies and they've got to not piggyback off it but they've got to use that momentum to um encourage junior participation and get the game back into into the community i think it uh represents why soccer is such a, a remarkable sport and why you know we've got a lot of foot, you know, AFL listeners that listen to this podcast that that 
moments like Leckie's, right? That they don't exist in footy. That they they, they kind of do. Yeah, Lance Franklin kicked a thousand goals or a goal after the siren. They're very rare. Whereas soccer, moments like this happen in games. Like they're just one moment, and you're like, you either kick a goal or you don't. Leckie yeah. doesn't kick that goal. Australia draw. Tunisia go through. Failure. Could, and then it's all doom and gloom again. Right, and 100%. it's just like one, one moment. And like, it's, it's even the conversation, like, my wife comes from an AFL background and family and that, so her mother-in-law came and watched me play in Europe three times and every single game she came to it was 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> she's what you, like, what are you this doing over here? shit. <laughs> How can you expect people to come and pay money to watch? And I'm like, it was a great game. And they just don't see it for what it is. But like you said, if there's been a moment in the 90th minute and the crowds erupted and everyone's going nuts, she would have been like, how good's this? Where you get that opposite sort of feedback where, oh, this is shit, I ain't coming again because it's minus two degrees and it's it's crap. So you're right, there's so many moments that I don't like. One of the things, I mean, I'm going off topic here, but the VAR, so the offside rule and all the rest of it and the, the game stops. The, you saw that goal. The penalty. Came, yeah. oh, the, the penalty last night. It was yeah. awarded. I know. It's, and you're sitting there just going, well, we those moments are lost now to an extent in the game because they've got to go back to VAR. Then all the emotion goes out of it. Then it becomes a scientific process. And it's like, do you know what? Players make mistakes. Umpires make mistakes. It's one of those things that we could maybe be sat here tonight if there's no VAR or whatever discussing the, the penalty or discussing something else. But they spewing up all over the 100% <laughs> we would have been sick. But then, do you know what? Sometimes I'm a big believer in karma. You get the rub of the green sometimes as well. So I just think that um, it's a bit too sanitised for me and it's not cricket where it's a straight line. It's, it's There's so many different facets going on and I just think it's shit. I hate it. I like goal line technology because for me it's a true science. The ball's either over the line or it's not. Yes. But with the offside and my armpits over here and it's all the rest of it, it takes away those moments that you're talking about and, yes. and that's what everyone wants to see. Was that a penalty? Nah, it was so soft. It was scary. He seemed to rank on the cards last night, the ref. He did for the wrong team as well. Like yeah. as soon as it was us doing anything, he was straight onto us. And yeah. Even that one, I just reckon the Ford needs to get himself down to the gym because all Suter's done is just got across him. <laughs> That's not his fault that he's a bigger frame than him. He just needs to yeah. get on the protein and sort his rig out. Uh, um, who was commentating last night? Uh, ex, ex oh, Lukey Wilshire. Yeah, just like some, of his, <laughs> like some of his stuff was great, but then every now and then in moments, you could just hear him on mic and, oh, f- oh, no, no. Or when they were like, oh, yes. Like, <laughs> he was, out of, yeah, okay. he was a proper fanboy, wasn't he? He was getting into it. It was unreal. So, okay, Australia get the win they advance to the group of 16 exciting stuff for soccer all over the country we play argentina Lionel messi is that good what? oh 100 one i mean maybe for me i'm getting sentimental but one of my earliest memories was that sort of 94 qualifiers when diego maradona came over with his argentinian huh. team that was they played here right? played in sydney in the footy stadium i think huh. yeah because the home bush wasn't built then so it was a footy stadium and got a great result won all i think it was in in um, in Sydney and then obviously got beat going to Buenos Aires but can still remember as a young kid watching the first leg getting up in the morning when they were playing in South America and thinking yeah we're a chance here and Batistuta walked out with a massive cigar in his mouth and just went yeah thanks for coming boys <laughs> enjoy your 60 hour flight home but I just think that that romance of if you're going to do it go and beat one of the they, they were tipped as second favourite Argentina yeah. going in so yeah. and, and they, I think they've they really struggled been, yeah, they nah haven't they've been, been poor well beating, have they? nah, and I, th- I just think you know Messi is he too old is he too old? Like I said at the start, like you all get to a use, use by date where your body sort of shuts down a bit. And other is that X factor and the burden of him carrying that country? Is it going to be too much for them? Because it's religion over there. They're not just carrying Federation Square where there's twenty thousand people in Melbourne, or you know, the, there might be 
5,000 here at Perth at the casino, you know, they've got the whole population begging them to, you know, to win this World Cup. Not just just to get it's a failure. If they don't win, it's a failure, like win the World Cup, let alone beat shitty Australia. So we can go in there and play on all those fears and all that pressure that's going to be on them. Um, So I think it's a great opportunity. I really do. You go up against someone and think, oh, they're a chance here. Or you go up against someone that's in that top tier and go, well, we're expected to get nothing beaten to here. There's nothing to lose. And sometimes that, that sort of, when you've got nothing to lose, it can be the scariest thing in sport because you can just go all in and, and see how it goes. So so will they play a similar uh, game style? I mean, uh, from a you know punter's point of view, it looks like that you know quite a defensive team, Australia. Um, they, they battle, they fight, they scrap, they've got a bit of grit and then they try to counter-attack. They, 100%, they do yeah. that same Yeah, you've it, mate. Might be a gig for you in the, in the round ball game. Are you not far off? But yeah, you're spot on. I mean, like I said, you can't go toe to toe with a technically gifted team like Argentina or France or whatever and expect no. to get an outcome. So what you need to do is be set up well. Your principles need to be good and you need to be solid. But what he has done is he's got Riley McCree, he's got Mitchell Duke, he's got that real raw pace up front. So when they're committing those numbers forward, we're, a, we're always a chance going forward with that pace. So I don't think he'll change much. I think we'll we'll be aggressive again in terms of combative and, and trying to win that midfield area. Um, but I think he'll carry that same game plan across where we sort of sit in, soak it up and try and counter-attack him. When did we... Someone told me that we'd beaten Saudi and Saudi had beaten Argentina, so ipso facto Australia beats Argentina. Oh, yeah. When, when did we... Do we qualifies, play qualifiers? Yeah, qualifiers. Right. So, I mean, that's... What a load of shit. <laughs> Don't I mean, take the hope away. Do you know what? Yeah, if it gives you a positive outlook <laughs> and you, and it, it glass half full, then go for it. But... um. Listen, at the end of the day, you, you know, the, the odds aren't going to lie. Argentina will be like $1.40, $1.50, and we'll be paying six, seven bucks again. So, you know, bookies don't generally get it wrong unless Skeets is, is backing them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Oracle, what's going to happen? You tell us. Oh, mate, if we, can, if we can do what we did last night and stay into the game until about 60 minutes, I think we've got a chance of nicking another 1-0. I honestly do. Um, I wouldn't have said that to you a couple of weeks ago because I was um, all doom and gloom and being a, a negative bastard. But um, <laughs> have them watch how gritty they've been and how disciplined they've been to look after each other. Yeah. It's like a brotherhood. Yeah, They've really forged that culture where they're, they're sticking in. So I think they're a chance. I honestly, th- And I think that's purely and simply because the pressure's on Argentina. I think they'll have to come out and play against us. That was one thing. I wasn't sure what the sort of lead-up Australia has been like to, to other countries or other teams, but... Is that a thing that happens in the World Cup? Is these are representative sides, right? These aren't these aren't club teams. You're not spending all year around with your country. You're playing with people you haven't played before. Has Australia's build up been closer than an Argentina or a, or, a, or a France or a Germany or or a Denmark? Like I like think- last night in particular. Again, this is from a nuffy, and when I say nuffy, not a good nuffy. Like absolutely no idea. Denmark looked a way better team, higher quality. But they weren't on the same page. It Everything, just hadn't gelled. Yeah, it yeah. looked. It looked. There was no cohesion, was there? Whereas in the front third, Australia, but, not as much quality, but their defensive structure looked like flawless. Like they, they kept you know little pockets of space. Denmark kept finding, but Australia really was just solid, like all night. Yeah, and, and it was connected. always outside that danger area, wasn't it? They were always having to go wide. So is goal. that a thing? Is that? A, is I that think a, so. Listen, this World Cup's a bit different, right? Because generally, it's in June, July. The players will finish their season at the start of May, mid-May, and then they'll go into camp for five weeks. So they've got that lead into to the World Cup where this year I think it was mandated at nine days. So players were still playing Premier League games or professional games, right. finishing that up and then hoping they didn't get injured and then going into the World Cup. So it's it's mm. definitely a different um, 
different group. And I think that's why some of the bigger teams like your Argentinas or Denmarks have struggled because normally they've got a five-week lead-in with all that quality to get everything right. So you've got that cohesion, you've got everything right running smoothly. Where we're more combative and we just have to work on structures rather than cohesion, it probably benefited us because we're not, like you said, as gifted technically as those other teams. So it means that we're only concentrating on that on that defensive mindset. And, you know, I think that, that culture they've been building because all this shit started during the qualifiers. They're not good enough. Arnie's got to go. Usual yes. stuff that comes with sport. Mm. So I reckon they've used that from a long time back to then to bring this group together and, and make that sort of attritional sort of, well, it's us v them. Let's just go and do it together. And I think you can see that, that real togetherness they have got. I agree, mate. It's going to be an interesting game. Argentina v Australia. It is Sunday morning, 3 a.m. Perth time. So depends how you want to go about it. We'll just be getting in then, won't we? You want to start late (laughs) on Saturday or you want to start early on Sunday? Depends what you want to do. Yeah, Tyson Fury's fighting on Sunday, so it might be a good lead in. Yeah, I think he's in on Sunday. So So, uh, be some empty beds over Saturday night, I would have thought. Dan, our man, was in Northbridge. Uh, at the Patriot Bar. Not a massive crowd, but I saw on social media um, the North Northbridge Piazza, Plaza, don't know what it's called, one of those. They're going to be airing it, so there'll be a few people there. There'll be some people at the cast. So uh, I'm thinking about maybe going through, I think. I don't think I'm going to set my alarm for three. I think I might just go and have a couple of beverages and stay awake. Game always looks better, doesn't it? Correct. <laughs> it's so, just the divorce I, papers I, you get on yeah. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Alex, my beautiful wife. Uh, Shelter Footy Cast. Uh, you're here with Chris Coyne, Will Schofield. I've got to stop saying the Shelter Footy Cast, but I can't stop doing it, so who cares? Shelter Sportcast, you know what we're doing. I wanted to have a little bit of a look through the AFL draft before I let you go, Coiny, um, and then we'll have a bit of a, a final chat about the Perth glory. Um, now, Fremantle, the second round, we'd spoken about their first round picks, none for the Freo Dockers. They didn't enter until pick 33. They take Hugh Davies, a young kid from Claremont. He's a key defender. Um, a lot of you know good hype about him, and they replace a Griffin Logue. Um, He's a West Australian kid. Um, Tom Emmett, um, he's a bit of a bigger-bodied midfielder forward, that sort of guy. He's a, he's a um, sort of mature age, maybe, but maybe not mature age, but bigger body. And then Max Noble, I think, is the mature age lad. He's a young ruckman, 206 centimetres tall. They get him alongside a Jackson to replace a Lloyd Meek. Frio uh, get Corey Wagner, I believe, at the back end. Um, they've gone more... Uh, mature age win now. Maybe not win now, but but add to the group they have. They make finals. They they have a great season. They miss out on the top four in the last 20 seconds of the Collingwood-Carlton game last year, if you don't remember. The way that game went, Freo would have made top four. So they just missed top four. They're, 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 they're all chips in at the moment and their draft reflects it. So just for me, he's a bit of a layman with the draft, etc. So... Yep. As a draft group, you're sitting there looking at your group, and so obviously Chapman came through. They've got quite a young group, haven't yep. they? At, at Frio, so they're then looking to balance that up, are they, with that older group, yep. so they can take the. So you've obviously got a run where you've got a good group, huh? And they've lost, they've lost some mid-range talent too. So I'm going to say talent, some mid-range guys. So Blake Akers, Griffin Logue, uh, Darcy Tucker, Lloyd Meek, they all walk out the door at, at free agency, and and they lose sort of like that middle that, that you know, middle not, age group. Yeah, middle yeah. age group and middle talent group like not yep. their top tier guys and not their rookies but those middle guys so getting a couple of mature age guys to fill that void, to like, close that gap i think freo you know you know drafted really well given they didn't enter the draft until sort of round two and midway through round two i think they've done the best that they can do and and 
Yeah, like I said, they're, they're, they're all chips in. You're a West Coast fan, aren't you? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad they've done well as long as they don't do too well, <laughs> well to be honest mate. with you. Well, you got time to break down what went wrong for West Coast last year? Or? Mate, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it wasn't a great year for West Coast last year, but I think one element is uh, the lack of high-quality um, young talent they have at the club, and that is because they've been challenging for premierships. Uh, yeah, 25th. and that's why I sort of asked you about how that's it works, because I mean. it's all cyclical, isn't it? Correct. And so, it takes time to build and, and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, and, and there's no you know, there's no area, zones. Um, there's some NGA, which is a next generation academies, which is sort of local kids that they can add to the group, but effectively it's an open pool for everyone. So if you're in the window, then your chip's in and, and you're, you're trying to add to the group um, to, to win. Yeah. So West Coast, make a grand final in 2015. Um, 16 and 17, uh, they add guys like Sam Mitchell, Drew Petrie's in the group, um, older guys trying to, trying to win, can't quite get it done, win a flag in 2018. They add a Tim Kelly to the group in 2019. So, so they're continually going, okay, we, just, we want to build a dynasty. We want to get more and And then you're more. looking at that as well. I mean, obviously seeing it in, the, in our sport, you chuck COVID into the equation as well. And, and yep. then that, when you've got a group that's ready to rock yep. and roll, um, and for those that didn't do COVID, it was a, a mission. You got, um, I mean, you guys had some of the worst in the country. Yeah, I believe, well, I just right? think WA sport in general, you know, yeah. like just the, the strict rules and criteria. So I reckon that there was a knock-on knock effect because at Glory last year, the, the amount of injuries that, the, that went through the group was scary. Yeah. And you look at the Eagles list last year, there was yep. half a team out every week. And it's like the mental aspect, the physical aspect, but they get the opportunity now in the draft to add high-end talent, which they do. Ruben Jinby uh, joins the group. He's highly credentialed, leadership all over him. Next captain of the club, I've heard that said a few times. That gets that gets thrown around with leadership guys. Elijah Hewitt, he's a bigger body uh, a midfielder from the Swan District, a couple of local lads. Then they get into the second round. So we haven't covered this yet here on the Sportcast, Coiny, but they had a big ruckman in Harry Barnett. He's the best How ruckman. Big, mate, he's a big unit. 202, 93 18, kilos. He? He's 18, 18 years old. That's a big lump. Best ruckman in the junior division. So they get the first ruckman off the board because Natanui's getting old um, and they don't really have much underneath him. They've got a yeah. Bailey Williams who's developing. Oscar Allen can pitch hit in there. Cal Jamison's a, a young developing kid, but they don't have a ruckman, like a pure ruckman. You know, it'd be like getting in a striker, you know. Spe- I'd have him at two. If he can play soccer, I'll have him now, mate, at 202. At I'll tell you what, games. I always thought I could play centre-back. I always used to watch. I'm, I'm a soccer fan, like, so I'd, Although I'm a good shit talker, I've, I've seen you AFL boys try and kick a football, and it's not pretty. Yeah, I'm telling maybe. you right now, you don't realise that your knees actually bend and shit. It's quite funny. <laughs> I was uh, to give you an example of how well I'm going. I was uh, down at uh, my son's soccer training last night, and I, I kicked the kicked the soccer ball um, with one of the kids off to the side for 20 minutes. I've woken up today. Both my groins, I was kicking left and right. Both my groins, I can barely move them. My hip flexors feel like they've both snapped in half. And I was kicking a kid's soccer ball. I probably kicked it 25 times. So that's yeah. the sort of form I'm in at the moment. That's exactly where I'm at every morning. <laughs> she, honestly, she starts laughing at me. The missus, she's like, look how old you are. I'm like limping down the stairs with my knee and Achilles and everything. It's so great. we're off. We're, we're a digress. So uh, Kobe uh, Bergiel, he is a young uh, Vic Country kid from Gippsland. He's a, he's a young, um, quick forward. Uh, he, he rates like above average and excellent and high quality in Goals average, uh, clearances average, touches average for someone of his size, shape, and form. So a bit of a steal there. And then Noah Long comes into the club as well, who I've heard some good things about him as well. He's a Bendigo Pioneers, Vic Vic Country kid. Um, So West Coast add talent. Um, They get some 
uh, NGA kids in their pre-listed rookies. So they're kids from around the area, Jordan Baker and Tywell Dewar. And they add a couple more guys back onto the rookie list who have already been there in Isaiah Winder and Zane True. So West Coast get exactly what they would have got out of this, wanted to get out of this draft, which is high quality young talent. And Can you see any of them playing or any of them going in yeah, early? Yeah, the, the first two. The first yeah. two lads um, in Jinby and, and Hewitt. Um, as well, with they've got a kid called Campbell Chesser, who they, that was their first pick last year. Um, I called his first game with Adam Papalia and we were calling it. He had one piece of play, did this, and like, it was like, oh, shit. Got caught our eye. The second play, jumped up really high, took this great mark, came down, got pushed just off the central line as he came down. Hyper extended his ankle out for the year, 12 oh, months. Wow. So they haven't seen a thing of him. So they effectively get three really high-quality young talent. would that have bought the young boy some time, obviously, in the gym? We all know what it's like when you're rehabbing. So well, would his it does. body come back stronger? It, it does, yeah. It's interesting because, like you were saying before, your career was ended with an Achilles injury. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was anything of that nature, but as a young player getting injured like that, I think it's you can definitely come back from it. Adversely, doing your Achilles is a older statesman. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. As, a, as an experienced player in the side, as an old fart, there's yeah. not much you can do, right? Nah. It, Tried get to ninety percent and break down again. You saying you you saying you did it in the game and then you were running around on it? Had to, yeah. We went down to ten men, no subs, so we we're drawing to all. You've got no Achilles, mate. Yeah, but it was hanging on by a fag paper, so I just kept going. It was all right. It was just clinging on. <laughs> oh, very good. Chris Coyne, Will Schofield on the Shelter Sportcast. Give us a bit of a Perth Glory uh, update to finish us off, mate. You're down there coaching. What line do you look after down there? What, what's, what's yeah, the... defensive predominantly. Good. Um, yeah, you all love, like you. Love heading and booting it, yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously just assistance. So, no, we're going all right. It's, it's been a strange one because we had a 14, 15-week preseason. Came in five rounds in and then obviously with the World Cup, we've been, yeah. been game-free for five weeks. But I think it came at a good time. I was saying to you before, like playing away from home, people don't realise it. And it's we want a no-excuse environment, but... When, you, when you're flying five hours, three-hour time difference, doing it once or twice and then being at home for a few weeks is not too bad. But when you do it five in a row, yeah. just the fatigue levels, the men- mental and physical fatigue levels, your recovery, you, you know, you're losing time with recovery. It took its toll a little bit. So now we're into all these run-of-home games at, at Macedonia Park. Um, I think we've got seven of the next ten um, at home. So, you know, we're really looking forward to it. And the transfer window opens 11th of January, so we're looking to add a few fresh faces, faces into the group yeah. as well. How, how, well, okay, let's say on that. I mean, you lose Fornaroli in, in, you know, we've spoken about it a little bit, but is that someone you're going to look to replace? That- yeah, it's a key position. Yeah. It, you know, we're, we're, get, we're actually getting the ball up that end of the pitch really well. Yep. Um, and even working on it the last few weeks, we're happy with how we're, how we're sort of progressing up the park. So, you know, forwards, that's why they generally get paid more than us meatheads at the back because <laughs> they're match winners. And <laughs> as long as they buy lunch every now and again, then I'll suck it up. So Forwards? Chicken for the forwards, mate. Forwards <laughs> sell sponsorships, mate. 100%. They put bums on seats. So... Yep. Defenders win. Defenders win games, and forwards get all the accolades. It's, it's the same in every sport. Correct. And uh, the and balance the, balances generally look healthier as what, well. What, what's the, yeah? Back six get chicks. So um, Macedonia, <laughs> Ma- Macedonia uh, Park. What's that experience been like? Because we went and watched the W League game there on Sunday, and it's going to be like a retro type feel to it. Like going so back to the, the game NSL. There, yeah? No, nah, first one's tenth yep. of this month. So it's going to be interesting because it's got the old like um, scaffold stands and everything's on top of you. So it's going to have like a real retro NSL feel to it. So 
all the players came down to support the girls on on Sunday, and even they were going, "Shit, this is going to be good." Like it's a bit old school, you know, good. where everyone's on top of you. So they're they're looking forward to it. Where is it? Is that a Sterling. stupid question? Sterling, Sterling, it's not, not too far, far from away here, from mate. Here. Yeah, walking distance. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, no, it, looking forward to it, mate. It's always hard. You know what it's like preseason when you know you've got a game coming up. There's a date. There's something to look forward to. But when there's it just run, and we'll tell you when to stop. It's hard mentally, you know. So yeah. now that we're getting into competition phase again, the boys are starting to ramp it up and we're we're looking forward to next week and um hopefully getting a result at, at sterling good man um thanks for joining us corny so one nil you heard it here first from the oracle uh i'm going to predict uh, i just have been so positive i think it's one all at full time goes to penalties we win on penalties you just want more beer time, don't you? <laughs> There's <laughs> going to be plenty. It's going to be 6 a.m. by the time the game finishes. That's absolutely brutal. Uh, socials, Shelter Footycast. You can find us over at Instagram. Send us an email, footycast at shelterbrewing.com. You watch us on YouTube. Listen to us as a podcast. And Corny will be in to tell us how he fared Sunday morning in Northbridge <laughs> next week. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.